At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to rain of troy radio episode 380 coming to you on wednesday september 2nd it is game week it is finally here usc and alabama locking horns in jerry world on saturday nights we cannot wait. We are going to preview the game, get you all ready for the Crimson Tide and the Cardinal and Gold meeting again. Two wonderful Blue Blood programs. Yeah, I can't keep it up anymore. I was wondering how long you were going to no. be able to pull that one off. No. Nope. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, we're going to talk about the the week that would be... Um. In answering your listener questions, we got a bunch of mailbag questions, and uh, and so much more. As always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com, plus Reign of Troy. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansad.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1-USC-SECOND-WHISPERING-SHOW. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is, yeah, that week that um, really has no importance or anything. Like, uh, I just, you know, certainly does not. Like, there's just, you know, nothing. Just another week in September, right? I mean, yeah, like, it's early September, but, like, it doesn't mean anything, you know? It's just... I mean, it's 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 a very pay your rent, folks. That that's really all we got, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, right? Only, the only the only thing that's important right now there there's uh there's no you know sitting here a few days before a certain Mm-mm. Saturday thinking no, about I, a, I can't, a certain I game and don't know what you're talking about. Convincing ourselves that maybe USC has a a chance in said certain game. Just sitting here on the podcast and saying that. You know, as dominant as Alabama has been in week one, the, the, the fact is that this SC team probably is going to be their biggest challenge in the last 12 years. No, like we were never going to say that on the podcast. No, I mean, we, 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 we weren't. I wasn't going to sit here and say that Keaton Slovis was going to be the best quarterback Alabama has played in week one since Nick Saban got to Tuscaloosa. Like, I was never going to say that. No, of course certainly not. Certainly not. No, no. no. And, and you have no reason to say that now. No, so. I, I, I certainly don't. It's because a, yeah. the game's not happening, folks. Uh, it was going to happen on Saturday, USC and Alabama, of course. Um, and it's weird because, you know, we, we sat here, or I sat here, uh, at the start of the week, and I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to be game week, but it never felt like game week. It never felt like... Like there was this omission in in our lives. And that's just because we've just been, you know, so pessimistic about college football. Um, mostly because the last couple of weeks we've known that there will be no college football for USC in the fall. Uh, and so I think that it's it's been easy to just resign ourselves to, this, to the fact that it's not happening. And then you get to this point and it almost just feels surreal that this was even supposed to be game week. And then I did that thing. I did that thing that I always do every August where I went on YouTube and started a YouTube binge of college football theme music. Like the 
the CBS theme and the ABC theme and the the old th- um, college game day themes when I was a kid. I'm watching a 1997 college game day episode, and it starts with with you know Chris Fowler as a lead in, and he's got the fans behind him, and then it goes into the theme music, and I'm suddenly just transformed, and and put back into being a a you know eight year old. Sitting on my couch in my PJs, eating a donut that my dad just got from the donut shop, knowing, hell yeah, it's game day, I'm going to watch game day, and then I'm going to go get dressed, and we're going to go to the game. Transported back to that moment. And then you're transported back to reality when the video stops. And like, yeah, that's not going to happen this year. No, certainly not for USC. I mean... There will be other football that's that's being played, I guess, but it's not USC football. And, and quite frankly, I, I've had a hard time getting into any sports this sort of summer. Um, it just hasn't felt real. Like, you know, everyone knows I'm a big soccer fan. EPL has been playing. Well, I mean, Champions League has been played. And you're I, right, because your uh, Liverpool uh, English Premier League title is not real. It's one with the <laughs> Well, Liverpool pretty much wrapped up that title before the shutdown so uh-huh. uh you know go go uh stick your head in the sand a little bit more but mm-hmm. my point is that when the season started back up I-, I had a really hard time watching it because it didn't feel real it just it just felt there's like this weird disconnect i have right now with sports and and that applies to the nba playoffs it applies to to mlb to nhl um, the only sport that I've really been able to enjoy is F1, and that's, I think, personally, because I never experienced F1 before the shut, before coronavirus. So, like, it's... it's You don't have a, a, a reference point of what normal is. Yeah, exactly. There There is no normal there. So, um, I'm curious as we move forward towards other conferences trying to play, if something will click for me, if if it'll feel more real. Uh, if I'll be more willing to tune in, if I'll be more willing to sort of like have a and and I don't think this is the right phrase, but it's the closest thing I can think of, like that suspension of disbelief right. um, that that I'll need in order to enjoy sports again uh, this fall. Maybe some bigger football games uh, will do it, but I, I can certainly say that like Austin P and and. Uh, Whatever, whatever, Central Arkansas? Central, whatever team they were playing, not doing it for you. Uh, certainly didn't do it for me. Um, the only the best thing about that game was the uniform. It was like Austin P's logo, which is their, their legit. Helmets are badass. They're a badass, yeah. yeah, love them. Uh, but the football wasn't good. looking dude. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, and like the football wasn't good unless you really, really enjoy punting by a quarterback. I mean. Yeah, and shout out if you're an Iowa. Fo- Wait, no, we 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 can't joke about Iowa. Can't football. make Iowa Iowa football jokes this year. No, no. Uh, Purdue fan. Why can you make a Purdue joke? I see. Hasn't given up forty nine points to Purdue. Well, that's true. And they're known for punting too. That's true. I don't know. Oh, whatever. Anyways, the point is there's no football for USC this fall, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be bonus episodes over on Patreon this fall. Uh, we just launched a first uh, episode, a la carte episode of all of Only Connect, Only Skinnect, our version of Only Connect, the BBC game show that we are absolutely smitten with. It is the Only Connect is the the nerdiest USC game show you will ever stumble across. Uh, very difficult, a difficult puzzle that we've put together. Where we've challenged each other to come up with USC trivia answers. You can go listen to it on Patreon. It is a challenge and a half. But we, we like that kind of challenge, and we're interested to see what you guys have to think. Patreon.com slash Rand of Troy. You can get all of our bonus episodes. We want to do an Only Connect about once a month. We also have a Take with Jake with our friend Jake Merrifield of the What's Bruins show up on tap next week. We got that scheduled to record. So uh, bonus episodes are coming this fall despite no football. Yeah, and we're going to do our best to to keep the content coming, and uh, we hope that uh, you, our listeners, are still willing to support the show. The best way to support the show is through the Patreon, um, also by continuing to listen. We know that it's it's not uh, as uh, as engaging as as it would be when we would be throwing out three episodes a week as normal, 
uh, during this time of the year. We're going to sort of stick to one a week on the main side um, and try to supplement with our with our Patreon stuff. But, uh, you know, even if things are slowing down, we still do need your support. So we're incredibly grateful to everyone who is stuck with the Patreon and, and everyone who continues to listen to the show, too, because uh, we would like the show to continue to to stay strong as we get through this fall. And then and then hopefully we can all pick back up uh, better than ever when if when if when football returns. Yeah. In 2026. When, yeah. when there's the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. The 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 after the world's longest uh, off season <laughs> in the history of off seasons. Something we jumped the gun on last year, by the way. Uh we had a we had a tweet last year um that that we said uh on the day of the USC Fresno State game, congratulations USC fans, you survived the longest off season of your lives. And this is because SC was knowledgeable for a bowl game the year before, and so uh Bowl season was about six weeks longer. I mean, the off season was six weeks longer than it normally is, uh, especially since SC's season ended, you know, two weeks earlier than than normal, anyways, in 2018. And then there's this off season, which currently still not as long as last year's off season, but going to pass that and pass it by some distance. Yeah, and we had somebody quote tweet that very tweet that we put out from last year uh, at USC Travis, who says, uh, little did we know the longest and darkest of offseason was yet to come. Yes, absolutely. This has been the longest and darkest offseason, and it's only going to stretch longer. Um, if we're lucky, it'll only stretch on for a couple more months. If we're unlucky, we've got a whole other 12 months don't, don't, don't even speak it to wait just saying but if you're a big 10 fan maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel uh, let's get to the news shall we Much to the chagrin of the please keep politics out of sports crowd, uh, we got to talk about politics on this podcast. Something that we've never wanted to discuss. We've always thought that politics, uh, you know, should not be something that we discuss here on the podcast. And we have not talked about politics on the podcast before. Um, and here we are, having to talk about uh, President Donald Trump and a tweet that he put out and his now action to trying to get the Big Ten involved with uh, playing football this fall. Uh, the president tweeted on Tuesday, quote, had a very productive conversation with Kevin Warren, commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, about immediately starting up Big Ten football. It would be good, great, in parentheses, for everyone, players, fans, country, on the one-yard line. The president tweets. Uh, this was resp- uh, there was a response from Pete Thamel of Yahoo a couple hours later, who tweeted out a story of his on Yahoo uh, and says Big Ten sources didn't just deny President Trump's claim that the league returning quote immediately was at and was at the quote one yard line. They laughed about it. A column on the reality of the Big Ten's restart, which is now officially and indelibly. I can never say Indel- that. Indelibly, you're in- adding an extra B, indelibly. Indelibly politicized. Yeah, we, we've gotten to that point, unfortunately. Uh, here's another tweet from Dan Wilkin of the USA Today uh, asking a key question that I think that you guys will definitely be wondering. Uh, I asked the Pac 12 source, what gives with the president trying to get the Big Ten to start up, but not the Pac 12? The response, quote, if only we had a school in Nevada instead of just the championships, I'm certain he would have called. Alicia, there's two ways to look at that. One, Nevada is where gambling happens. Vegas is in Nevada. Um, But the other way, and probably the way that this was suggested, uh, Nevada is a swing state in the upcoming election. Uh, The Big Ten has... A wealth of swing states, swing states that decided the last election, talking about Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio forever as a swing state, right? Pennsylvania. Um, again, we don't want to talk about politics on this epi- this podcast because it has no place with college football, but yet here we are. Uh, the Pac-12 does not have those swing states. 
There's Arizona you can call a swing state. That's basically it. And here it is that, that you know, President Trump is offering uh, government assistance to rapid te- to get rapid testing for the Big Ten. Um, and it seems like this is a play, a political play to gain favor in those states uh, while ignoring the, um, the, the West Coast. Um, if that's the case, that's uh, you hate to see it. Um, if if not, then you know the, the Pac-12 surely is the most predictable conference of all time. <laughs> yeah, um, my opinion on this is is that it that it has become very politically um, politically driven, and and what's been very frustrating for me because. You and I have made a conscious effort to to avoid politics uh, on this show because I, I don't believe in mixing the, the the two. I don't think that my political views matter uh, when it comes to uh, the sports world that we talk about most of the time. And I hate it when politics gets injected in everything that it where especially where it doesn't need to get injected. And what's been very frustrating over the last few weeks, last few months, is that. Politics have been injected in this show and in and in sports conversations to the point where, like, we've spent a lot of time talking about the coronavirus, the response to the coronavirus, how to uh, handle it, specific to college football, and we've been accused of being political about it. You know, I've had people on on Twitter come up and and call me a, a like a liberal journalist and uh, or a leftist journalist, and and um, my family and friends had quite a chuckle about that one. Um, because I make a point of not revealing my politics on Twitter and 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 on this show. And quite frankly, if you think you know where my politics lie, you have no idea. Um, because that's my own personal business. That's my own private business, uh, at least the way that I see it. But personal sort of politics and, and politics at large have been muddled up in this whole thing where all of a sudden, if you are in favor of stricter uh, controls in order to get the coronavirus under control, suddenly that puts you on a certain side of the political spectrum, as opposed to just having that opinion because that's your earnest opinion, which is which is where I stand on these things. So we're at a, a point now where it's viewed as political that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 shut down in the first place. Because even if it's apolitical, even if it uh, to yeah. me it's a completely apolitical decision, and right. yet it's being bandied about as though it was a political decision, and we're getting sort of the 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 opposite reaction on the other side. Where now, because the Big Ten and the Pac-12 shut down, now it's the onus of uh, the other side of the political spectrum to counteract that, and 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 sort of we're, we're seeing people in in SEC country now trying to own the Big Ten and own the Pac-12 by dunking on them over the fact that they're not playing football as though it's, you know, a typical left-right argument, which I don't think it should be. And the fact that it that it has become that is really distressing to me because it, I think it says a lot about the state of, of <laughs> like, the discord in this country that, uh, that that's sort of where we're at. But it's it's just one of those things where we shouldn't, be in a situation where the 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 issue is now so politicized that we're talking about battleground states and college football like it's it's wild to me that we've even gotten to that point um in a in a completely apolitical way i'm looking at it saying if if president trump is offering the big 10 rapid testing that that is coming from the government supply I'm looking at that not from a left or a right perspective. I'm looking that at that from the perspective of someone who just wants to see the coronavirus get under control so that we can go back to normal lives as soon as possible. And to me, college football is not an essential element of, of, of life that needs to be that needs to have those resources directed towards it. If the government has rapid testing, if the government has stores of tests that they're willing to get out, college football is the last place those tests should be going. 
those tests should be going to healthcare facilities, Especially to schools. When college football could afford those things. Yeah, in a lot of areas, right? Well, and it, but it's not even about affording it because some of it has to do with supplies, supply and demand. One of the things that the Pac-12 said when they came out with their decision to shut down was that they couldn't meet the standards that they needed to because supplies were so low on so many of right. the things that they need. I mean, I was reading up on like pipettes, those little, little pipettes. There's a shortage on those things like standard medical equipment. There's shortages on those. And if the Pac-12 was going to go ahead and play and do the kind of testing that they were going to need to do in order to to facilitate facilitate that, they were going to have to get their hands on a lot of that kind of uh, a, a, a lot of those kinds of supplies. Well, quite frankly, I don't think those supplies should be something that college football is taking up a, a, a share of the demand if that means that it makes it that much harder for a hospital to get it or a school to get it or actual essential services to get it. I mean, college football is incredibly important to you and I, absolutely, but it's not an essential service. It is not something like I would put college football well below restaurants at this point. So like take those tests that you're going to use on football players and give them to restaurants so they can test their waiters and waitresses. Take those tests and give them to Target and Walmart so that they can test their their employees or people at the grocery store who are actually being put at risk while getting paid minimum wage. Like the the whole thing is just topsy-turvy in that sense. So I'm very frustrated because my primary concern here is is on a societal level. And what we've gotten into is now this argument over, you know, what what risks are worth taking so that amateur athletes can go out and play a game like it, it's just not that it, it shouldn't be that important. And yet it has become this thing that people are willing to risk so much not just the health of the student athletes who are again amateurs who aren't getting paid not just the health of their families and friends who are going to be exposed to them who are getting exposed to all sorts of other people not just the 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 risk to the health of the coaches and the society at large if you have outbreaks that are that are uh, uh sparked by college football teams that are gathering on mass but that we're we're taking resources away from other aspects of society that need them. I it just it, it's it's just it's too much for me. Like I I don't I don't get it. And and I say this entirely. I, I'm not saying this from a political perspective at all. I'm saying this from a big picture. How do we get this thing in, under control as quickly as possible? And what areas are we actually focused on on getting back to normal? Sports should be the last thing that comes back to normal. Leisure should be the last thing that comes back to normal. And yet this is the thing that we're putting all our time and effort into in September as a as a global pandemic continues. Yeah, there's, you know, big swaths of our economy that certainly need uh, assistance uh, along with the college football. But it's it's a difficult it's a difficult situation to be in. Absolutely. We did get a, a tweet from Pleakley. If college football has a season that goes by and no one gets Corona. Will the Pac-12 regret canceling their season? Um, okay, there's this is. I want to get into this because I've seen this question, you know, bantied about. Did the Pac-12 pull the plug too early? The Pac-12 and the Big Ten pulled the plug too early. Um, clearly, if you're if you're President Trump, you think so. Um, but I, how can we say that they did? Um, Iowa had 93 positive tests throughout their athletic department that shut down sports. 93. Alabama has had a bunch of tests. A bunch of other schools have had tests. SC right now is currently not working out through September 8th because they had eight athletes in football and men's water polo test positive for COVID-19. Not to mention that, again, LA and UCLA, I mean, SC and UCLA cannot practice. Even if you know, the football season was allowed to happen from the Pac-12's perspective, and the Pac-12 was gung-ho about playing, USC and UCLA could not practice because of local ordinances. They couldn't play. So how can you sit here and say that the Pac-12 has egg on its face right now? If, if the, those other conferences are able to get their crap together and put together a successful season and everyone stays healthy and all that kind of stuff, yeah, the, the Big Ten... And the Pac-12 can look at it and say, 
we made a board to poor decision in hindsight, knowing that maybe it was possible that this could have been pulled off. But how can we even assume that that's, you know, a, a prevailing case right now? Because we all want college football to happen, but that doesn't mean that we need to just ignore the objectivity here that, my God, there are some problems if 93 Iowa Hawkeyes are testing positive for COVID-19 and we're going to sit here and say the Big Ten should be playing football? Well, I mean, and, and that's sort of been my response to everybody talking about the Pac-12 recently is USC and UCLA can't practice, like you said. USC wasn't able to work out over the past week and won't be able to work out for another week. So how were they supposed to be ready for a football season that was scheduled to start on September 5th? How are they supposed to be ready for a, a, a football season that was scheduled to start on September 26th? They weren't going to be ready for that game. And at this point, at this rate, they weren't going to be ready for a, a week later start like they originally planned. So right. I, I I think that the will the Pac-12 regret canceling the season? I don't think they will regret canceling the season. I think they will uh, bemoan the difficulties that they had. Sure. Uh, getting in the way of their ability to play a season. I think if the Pac-12 doesn't play in the spring or the winter, that they will regret not making that happen. But the reality is that the Pac-12 wasn't going to be able to pull off a football season this fall. Right. Uh, and we still haven't seen if the SEC, Big 12, and ACC are going to actually be able to pull off their football season. And, because- and I don't know how we can assume that they will, knowing that there's all these these outbreaks. Yeah, I, I think it just th- seems really presumptive based on wanting it to happen, which, which, you know, is, is not to go on a soapbox here. This has been my biggest problem with media this off season is there's a, there's a segment um, that loves to talk about all this bullshit about how people are rooting for the virus, not to, to take down college football, rooting for the, for this and, and, and rooting for that, which is ridiculous because We've talked about it multiple times. College football not happening is bad for business for us. Absolutely, absolutely is bad for business for like. We're uh, asking folks to hang on with this podcast with the hopes that there will be football in January or February. Right. If there's no football in January or February, and we have to wait a full twelve months before we get football back, how are we going to still have jobs? I don't know. Right. So, the the idea that we are rooting for college football to not happen because of coronavirus is insane and you get media members with big followings tweeting that the the media is purposely uh sheltering the, i mean you know uh reporting numbers to, to to further a narrative well they're out there purposely looking the other way when again 93 iowa hawkeyes tested positive for covid19 athletes not students yeah. athletes athletes hawkeyes and and we're gonna sit here and say that that the big 10 is an embarrassing, pathetic conference for not playing football. Like, get the hell out of here with that. You know, like, just because we want something to happen doesn't mean we have to lose all objectivity. And that is what's happening. And and it drives me utterly insane. So, yeah, the Pac-12 could regret things if if everything goes against them. But there's no evidence to say right now that that's going to be the case. It certainly might be the case. See, I wonder, but we can't sit here definitively and say that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have egg on their face. Because they don't. Because we haven't seen how it's going to play out yet. Yeah, well, we certainly... Uh, it, it, we are jumping the gun if we're saying that they have egg on their face when the SEC hasn't played a game. When the ACC hasn't played a game. When the Big 12 hasn't played a game. Right. Um, I think there is a chance that we get through a season and they don't have to shut down. Uh, and and if that's the case, like I said, I, I don't think if you're the Pac-12 that you sit here and say you made the wrong decision. I think if you're the Pac-12, you sit here and say we made a different decision right. and it was and right for us. I, I got a, I got a tweet from King Camby and I thought it was it was so on point because it, it kind of sums up where we're at as a country right now. Not just about COVID, but about literally everything. And that for years, you know. King Hammy says, for years, both sides are going to claim that they made the right decision and yes. defend this vehemently, right? The Pac-12 is forever going to say that they made the right decision, and the ACC and the SEC is forever going to say that they made the right decision and argue it mercil- mercilessly forever because we are in a situation where 
a common reality does not does not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just in politics, but just in life in general. There is no more common reality that we can all agree upon. Uh, you know, I... I we grew up um knowing that people could have differences of opinions um and yet we've gotten to this place now to where there is no difference of opinions it's my reality exists and yours doesn't and I'm not going to listen to yours and your reality is just um hypothetical because I don't care about it that that's the situation we we've we've gotten to and so if you're if you're an SCC fan you're going to sit there and, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and forever say that that your side was right on it. And if you're a Pac-12 fan, you're going to do the same the other way when the reality is there's nuance involved here and they can both make the right decisions and then be different and they can both make the wrong decisions. And more importantly, as it stands right now, we don't know whose decision was right or wrong anyways because we don't know what the outcome of this season is going to be. Yeah. Well, you know your thing about um, grading coaching hires? Yes. That That's where we're at right now. For sure. Yeah. We're, we're grading this these decisions as though they're coaching hires that just got made when really we should wait a season or two and see what the coaches actually do and then right. assess a grade, right? So uh, that's that's what we, we need to look at. Knowing, knowing and, what the Pac-12 knew, I don't begrudge them for their decision. And, and same thing with the Big the Ten. The only thing I begrudge the Pac-12 on is the same thing I begrudge all college football on which is stop hiding behind amateurism right acknowledge that your players are are not amateurs and maybe that could have put us on a path to to creating a bubble right um which still wouldn't have been ideal because as i said before sports taking up uh you know valuable resources still makes me a little bit squicky but at least then i wouldn't be sitting here going that these unpaid uh these these unpaid players who aren't allowed to collectively bargain, who aren't allowed to um, come to the table and negotiate terms for them coming to play and risk their health and the health of everyone around them, right. um, that 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 at least I would feel like there was a fairness and a justice to that. But right. as it yeah. stands, we don't have that. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's a perfectly solid place to be in right now. But anyways, let's turn the page, talk about Jay Tufele. Uh, we, we didn't have a podcast last week. Uh, and Jay Tufeli announced that he's going to forego uh, the rest of his eligibility uh, and get ready for the NFL, especially you know opting out in the weird circumstances of uh, this whole COVID year and whatnot. Um, it, it's so difficult because he's someone who we, we've seen the NFL draft projections and he's been on the brink of being a first rounder. Uh, someone who could get picked at the end of the first round, but... Some of sometimes you see things that he's in the third round or whatever. So he's someone who really needed this season to happen to solidify himself as a first rounder, um, because he's been inconsistent, uh, and it's a super bummer that he isn't going to get that opportunity this fall, um, to be able to prove that, um, and and now he's going to have to try to prove it through different means, right? And more power to him. Good luck in the future, Jay, and and I, I think. Everyone will be rooting for him to see what uh, he can he can do uh, at at the next level. But you know, it leads us to a tweet that we got from Black Cyan four five five with Tufeli opting out. Who do you see stepping up at the interior lineman position? Um, I, I I think the the biggest sadness I have about Tufeli leaving is that we don't get to see what Vixo Oto gets to do with him. Yeah, but point. what we will get to see is what Vixo Oto does with Brandon Peely, which is potentially just mm-hmm. as exciting. And I think that. Uh, would would be the the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, assuming that we get a spring season. Uh, is what does that lineup look like? And I I think you're you would end up seeing a lineup where Marlon Tupelo too is still your nose tackle, and uh, you're using Brandon Peely potentially in the J two Fele role. It's not exactly like for like because Peely is so much bigger than Tufele, but right. Peely has that athletic burst. Yeah. That I think, and he has experience. And he has experience. And you could be in a situation where you have Tupelo to Peely and Drake Jackson as your th- interior three. Uh, you could be in a situation where you have Tupelo to Peely and, you know, a, a Caleb... Trevor Ta- Trout, uh, Lichtenstein. Ca- Li- yeah, Jake Lichtenstein, um, Caleb Tremblay, yeah. someone like that. 
filling the the, the third. Dejon Benton. Yeah, the third the third defensive uh, defensive lineman role while while Drake Jackson works in more of an out uh, an outside position. I had sort of convinced myself at this point that Drake Jackson would end up being a defensive end uh, in in a three man front, and so I am kind of low key excited for the con for the for the possibility of seeing Drake Jackson, Marlon Tupelotu, and Brandon Peely line up together because I think that's you, a, you don't think Drake will be outside as an outside edge I, guy. I don't think so. I think Drake has enough of a frame to be uh to to basically turn him into another uh Rasheem Green type. Uh okay. I I just I feel like he's too much of a playmaker to be a run stopper. That makes sense. Right. I agree with that, but at the same time, I think he's too much of a playmaker to Acknowledging that the 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 scheme that USC was going to throw out there, that that outside linebacker spot was potentially not always going to be on the field. Right. I'd almost rather have someone like Hunter Eccles be the situational player in there than be in a situation where Drake Jackson is. Sort Eccles of is like a dedicated pass rusher. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, I think the best thing for Drake Jackson would be to stick him in a spot where he, that's his role, 100%. And I think if you use him on the outside, if you use him as um, more of the, the sort of edge outside linebacker, you're going to be asking him to split his duties quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, with doing other things besides being, you know, being responsible for uh, for attacking the quarterback or attacking the backfield. So... Uh, I I think just simplify things, especially because he does have a frame that could be useful in there. But this is this is something obviously Vixa Oto knows way better than I do. So I was sure, going to be yeah. very excited to see how they ultimately decided to to uh, to to make that front work for them for the personnel that they have. Mm. Uh, so that was that that's something that I'm very intrigued by. the The biggest problem with losing Tufele is that you don't have as much flexibility on the depth side of things with Drake Jackson, with Brandon Peely, with Marlon Tupelotu. You're kind of now stuck in, if you find those three guys as your front, as your, as your first team guys, they, they better be healthy the whole way through. Otherwise you're playing with uh, some major unknowns. Yeah. Cause I think all of this is really, you know, a, a set of major unknowns. We had a question from Tana who says DL d- depth chart in the spring question mark. I, I, I don't know how we can even guess at this point. Like you know, you you mentioned Brandon Peely. And I think Brandon Peely is just an easy answer for saying who can fit there instead of Tufele. But in terms of depth chart, we haven't even seen this defense on the field to know. Um, what we we missed out in the spring, we missed out in the fall. Um, it's going to be an entire year of not being at a USC practice to see what they're going to be like and how they're going to fit this Tyler Lander defense. So I don't know that we can say what the depth chart is because I, I think it's easy to sit here and say that, well, uh, it would be Drake Jackson, uh, Brandon Peely, and Marlon Tupelotu. But then after that, you just have a bunch of names. And there are a bunch of guys who could be in there, but in what pecking order, I have no idea. Your Lichtensteins, your Bentons, your, your Trevor Trouts. Uh, the the new guys on on the defensive line in the 2020 class, like there's so many different possibilities that we didn't get to see anything to the point that I don't even know how you even guess. Well, it's funny you mentioned because I did take a stab at guessing this on Vanishroy.com after J T. Philly announced, and it was difficult. It was very difficult, and and I had to I I challenged myself to to create a depth chart with as few ores as possible. And I still ended up with like three oars. So um, three oars. You just need two wheats. Uh, th- there you go. Yeah, <laughs> some good old Taylor, some Catan jokes. Uh, but but so yeah. So here's here's where I went. And and take this for what it is. I have to guess what Vixa Oto, what Todd Orlando have in mind for this defensive front, and where each of these players is going to line up in this coming season. And so many of them are versatile kind of players. It's it's very difficult to to nail this down. But based on previous depth charts based on my own observations here's what i've come up with this is what i would sort of propose and if i was drastically wrong i would 
shrug and say, yep, I tried my best, but I knew this could be drastically wrong. And if I was right, I would say, oh, see, sometimes I do get things right. So um, I was thinking at defensive tackle, I've set up defensive tackle, nose tackle, and defensive end just for clarity, but it's a front three. A lot of times, like Todd Orlando uses defensive end, nose tackle, defensive end. That's just confusing. So let's go defensive tackle. I've got Brandon Peely, Jacob Lichtenstein, Stanley uh, Taufu, Ta- Ufu, ooh, I still can't say his name. I'm sorry, Stanley. Um, Kobe Pepe and Tuli Tupelotu. That those are who I think the pecking order at defensive tackle might be. And I put those guys in there in part because those are the bigger bodies that uh, that are still dynamic enough to potentially rush the passer and not just be space eaters. Uh, Jacob Lichtenstein, Clancy Pendergast at least liked his length, so. I have him there at defensive tackle um, being uncertain. I've seen his Instagram. He looks like he's jacked right now. So, uh, you know, size wise, I think he could potentially fit up in there, but he might also also fit more as a defensive end type. At nose tackle, I've got Marlon Tupelotu, Dejon Benton, or Trevor Trout and Jamar Sakona, the, uh, the true freshman coming in behind them. So the problem with Benton and Trevor Trout behind Tupelotu is I know what USC has in Tupelotu. He's maybe not as big as you'd want for a nose tackle in a three-man front. He's not the massive space eater that you'd want, but he's technically sound, and I think USC will continue to use him in that spot. Dejon Benton has flashed more than Trevor Trout. Trevor Trout has been injured so much, I have no idea what Trevor Trout's gotten, got in him. So that's a big or. And then Jamar Sakona is, is just a freshman who's not who shouldn't who shouldn't be called on to play yet. At defensive end, I went with Drake Jackson, and here we go: Caleb Tremblay or Connor Murphy or Nick Figueroa. Drake Jackson, fairly confident he's going to start somewhere. Tremblay, Murphy, and Figueroa, flip a coin, throw a dart, close your eyes, and pin the tail on the donkey, and that's how you'll figure out where those guys fit in and who's going to actually see playing time. Is that optimistic or pessimistic, Alicia? It's 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 very much. I have no idea. I mean, optimistic Alicia likes all three of those guys and their skill set and their potential to contribute. Pessimistic Alicia looks at it and goes, you know, USC hasn't gotten more than just a few rotation snaps out of any of them over the last few years. So who the heck knows? Yeah, it's definitely quite uh, the crapshoot. Uh, we got more listener questions. So let's get into it and just call this thing a mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, we got a question from Seven Costanza. Great name. Love that name in honor of the great Mickey Mantle. Uh, Seven says, uh, when were you guys going to go to Texas this week? Uh, spoiler alert. We're still going to Texas. We're too lazy to cancel our flights. Those cheap Southwest flights, man. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we'll be donning masks and gloves and trying to be as COVID Hand sanitizer. Yeah, COVID protected as possible. Uh, And, um, you know, I've got family and friends in in Texas, so uh, it made sense to still go down there. Um, And if nothing else, then to go to Jerry World on Saturday... And to, just to tweet a picture and be like, we're here. Where's everybody else at? <laughs> Spoiling the joke there, Michael. There's like eight people who still listen to this podcast. Yeah, this yeah the loyal eight. Yeah. We appreciate y'all. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to we're going to go to Texas and do our best to be safe about it. But uh, it's certainly not going to be the trip that we wanted it to be. <laughs> it's not going to be the same. It'll be a lot more low key, though. And sure. uh yeah. I'm not going to be mad about that, though, because just sitting around a house with friends playing board games is and, and cuddling that with babies is, the, is the most quarantining thing possible. It, right? it, it'll be great quarantining. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got a tweet from Richard. Am I too late to get my question? In? It's been 17 minutes. That's my question. Yes, it is too late. We're not going to answer it. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Solus Trojan. Have players been talking about transferring so they can go somewhere else and play? Um, we, we haven't heard anything, uh, publicly, of course. Uh, and this is the, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people say that there's going to be a mass exodus of players transferring. Um, I've seen people say that the PAC 12 and the big 10 are never going to be able to recruit elite players ever again. 
Um, that tech is laughable to me, but um, more so on the, the thing about transferring, I think people are forgetting that it's not just players can transfer right now. It takes the other school to have room. So the this idea that, you know, there's going to be a bunch of SC players transferring to the SEC so that way they can go play football immediately this fall is only as good as the numbers at those schools allow it to be. So I'm sure that there's players thinking about it, not just at SC, but at any other school in the Pac-10, uh, Pac-12 or the Big Ten, right? Like, surely you would be you would think about that kind of thing. But it's not like Alabama has 50 scholarships ready to get everybody um, on board suddenly, immediately, as much as Nick Saban wished that he could do that. Yeah, and, and most of those teams will have gone into the summer with more or less full rosters, maybe two or so, you know, maybe maybe on the on the broader side, a handful of scholarships to work with. So there will be limited opportunities. And I think that's why we haven't seen that many guys enter the portal. And a lot of the guys that have, I think there was a, a guy from Colorado who entered the portal who ended up going back. The one name I can think of, um, just across the big t- the the Pac-12, is Colin Schooler from Arizona. He transferred to Texas Tech, but like that's the kind of move that would had to ha- that would have to happen. The best player on a team or the best the best player on a defense finding somewhere that fit. Right. But there's only once Colin Schooler has taken up one of those spots at Texas Tech, they don't have that spot then to work right. with to bring in someone else. So originally I thought that we were going to see quite a few guys transfer out of the out of the Pac-12 and the Big Tw- Big 10 into the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12. But I think we've almost reached the threshold at which that's no longer viable. Yeah. Cuz now if you're a USC player and you are looking at okay, I want to play this season, so I'm going to I'm going to transfer out. You're kind of out of time. You've got what three weeks until the 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 SEC starts, or well, three weeks until the ACC starts? Starting in general, anyways. Yeah. So so if you're going to transfer, you need to school's a already started, and and now you need to enter the transfer portal now. Get that transfer dealt with ASAP. Get in, uh, start school, and then immerse yourself in a team setting. Where you have like two weeks to learn the the depth chart and and start to earn some potential playing time, I, right. it's just not a great, not a great situation for players. Especially um, when it's again, it's not a guarantee that these schools are still going to play. Yes, given all the upbreaks. Yeah, you still could out there. you could if you're Colin Schooler, you transfer to Texas Tech, and they play two weeks before they have to cancel the season. Well, now you've transferred, and you are sort of stuck in a in a situation where you transferred for for what two games that you probably weren't used that much in because you weren't ready to play yet um it, it's not a great it's a huge risk actually for any player that tried to do it right. from a USC perspective i think it's it's been interesting to think about who might transfer and and i said this i don't know if i've said this on this show but i think i said it when i was on um the 42 social club the uh with uh, jedi asu that USC has a weirdly strong team culture. Clay Hilton talked about that. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard to actually see a mass exodus because I, I, dudes have stuck with I'm Clay gonna, Hilton. I'm going to push back on I that. I know no, I know that this is I know that this isn't this isn't surefire. I think this could this could break very very quickly. But I kind of believe Clay Hilton when he says that he, like there's a vibe around this well, particular what's Clay team Hilton supposed to say yeah my players are going to look into transferring no no no, no i know no, no but i think it rings true i think it rings true that like who is going to transfer if but by this point they've always backed up clay helton and they've still had a bunch of players in the portal if by this point amon rossi brown hasn't opted out if by this point right elijah vera tucker hasn't opted out if by this point um talano hafanga isaiah Palomao, elijah griffin isaac taylor stewart all those guys haven't opted out then I I I kind of believe the idea that that there isn't necessarily incentive to jump ship. I don't disagree with that point that that, that they might not see enough of an incentive to jump ship. I don't necessarily think that it's because of USC's tight knit 
you know. No, but I think it helps that USC has a comfort level sure. on its team. That USC has made but, but a... But doesn't, doesn't every school have that? Not like, every school has that. When we're seeing guys jump ship from Washington State, I know it's a different situation, but, you know, I, I think there's... a much different situation. I, I know, but I think that there's different vibes from different schools. and sure. And I think that USC has... The current roster at USC has a vibe that has prioritized a certain kind of player who fits the vibe of the team. That's something that we've seen USC focus on is guys who are very sort of team oriented for better or for worse. The, the the way I look at it, I think that you're right that that if those players were going to to leave, I think they would have already left already, just like J. T. Pelle has already left. Um, however, um, I just I'm not going to buy that it's because of the tight knit t- team thing. We we can disagree. That's fine. <laughs> um, you know, there's, hey, there's no dudes, reality. Your reality is just does not exist. D- dudes continue. Continue to ride or die with Clay Helton. No, I know. Like that's that, but, all but, I'm saying. Like, but, but beyond all, people continue to ride or die with Clay Helton, and there was still mass attrition from that 2016 class, right? Right. But the people who left were the people who weren't going to play. So what we're talking about, the only players who were going to be able to transfer at this stage were players who were starters at USC and right. were going to be enticed. It's a, it's a different. It's a different situation. Yeah. Yes. You're transferring now because you you can play. Yes. Whereas you're not going to transfer now if it's uncertain, because yeah. you might as well just just keep the status Hang on. quo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Kelly. Will any conference make it all the way through the football season? I school see schools not being able to field teams by midseason. I, we talked about this earlier. I I don't know. I I wouldn't hold my breath for anything to be completed. That's that's not because I'm choosing to want it not to happen. No, I absolutely want to see college football go off without a hitch this year, uh, which seems weird that I always have to preface that. But again, this is the re- the the, reality. the garbage narratives that have been put out there this season by, yeah. by various media outlets. So yeah, I want to, I want to see it happen. I, I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, I will eat plenty of crow if it, if it happens. I just, I don't foresee this going off without a hitch, especially if, if baseball couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I know baseball's still playing, but baseball also Base- baseball can afford to postpone games in a much different kind of way than football will be able to. Um, but having said, like, I'm in such a weird state where, like, I think that inevitably you'll end up with a situation where very important players are going to have to sit out games. But at this point, it is so political. It is so sort of. Uh, tied to pride almost people have dug in their heels for sure yes people have absolutely dug in their heels i currently feel that the conferences that are going to play are going to play regardless of any like they are going because to it, push on it would be seen as as weak to go back on that which, yes. which is absolutely ridiculous that, yes. that that's the situation short of a massive outbreak which at this point i don't think will be possible because so many of the of of the programs are doing more regular testing because they are getting on top of of quarantining and all that like i don't see the possibility of of like a massive outbreak that's so huge that they can't continue to play a game. I think they'll play a game with, you know, 22 players that are available if that's what they have to do. Also, not to get all super conspiracy theory here, but um, this is a sport that has seen schools put out kids who uh, were injured and played on injuries, played through injuries they shouldn't have played through, played mm-hmm. through concussions they shouldn't have played through. Um. I think it's a little presumptive to assume that that. Do we trust that the tests aren't going to get fudged? Mm, I, I'm, 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 I hope that's not the case. I, I hope, I hope, I not. hope that that stupid, dumb speculation to to, to say that. I hope I not. Ho- I hope not. I hope not. But uh, I would be lying if I didn't say that it. If I said that it didn't cross my mind. Well, again, because it goes back to the whole pride thing. We, we we've we've made this about politics and pride. And manliness, even too, which is just ridiculous. But 
2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tweet from Confused Observer, since the Pac-12 can't get its act together, which SEC team uh, should we root for? Um, I don't know. If you got to pick an SEC team to, to – even if it's not an SEC team, but ACC, Big 12. I, I've always been been a, a, an Oklahoma guy. I like Oklahoma. I like, yeah. I like the, the – I like Boomer Sooner. Yeah, I, I like Oklahoma. Um, in the SEC, I find <laughs> this is weird. I find Georgia to be very intriguing. Um, the whole Newman Daniels thing is interesting. Yeah, like I think, I think I could see myself wanting to see Georgia challenge Alabama. Sure. Um, so maybe it's not rooting for Georgia, but certainly being an, interested in Georgia. I, I could see it. Um, I mean, unless you just want to go straight up and be a masochist and say, root for Vandy. Or Ole Miss, because I like Kevin. There you go. Yeah. Uh, last tweet from Sam, who says, Will Fernando Tatis Jr. win the NL MVP? Alicia, you have transitioned. You're <laughs> not just talking about uh, USC football and Troy, but now you are a... Uh, news desk writer over at fanside.com. You can go read your work over there on various nights throughout the week. Uh, Alicia, I think you are now the expert on this podcast to discuss this. <laughs> uh, that would require me to know which team Fernando Tatis Jr. plays for offhand. Uh, uh, the San Diego Fathers. The San Diego Padres. Uh, he tripled to drive in two as the Padres topped the Rockies yesterday, huh. Monday. So that tells me that he's having a very good season and uh, he's going to, oh, uh, two days ago, he led the Padres to a 13-2 to route of the Rockies. So he sounds like he's having a very good season and I'm sure I will be writing about him and in he, the future. He hits dongs on 3-0. He, he, we know that he, he doesn't like to take 3-0 pitches when he's up by seven runs. Yes. Oh, that's that's what I know him from. Okay, can we just have a conversation right now? Yeah. The whole, like, unwritten rules thing, like, I don't mind... So stupid. I don't mind unwritten rules, but, like, when they're stupid, I do mind them. And, like, the idea that you shouldn't be allowed to swing at a pitch... When you have the potential to hit a grand slam, like just because you're up by seven, which we've seen teams come back from bigger deficits than that. So like, it's just, that's just dumb. It's just really dumb to get like offended by that as though you were wronged. Like maybe don't, don't give up the home run. Like yeah, don't, don't, don't give up the home run. It's it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. So like unwritten rules are fine, but like Stupid unwritten rules are stupid. I don't mind unwritten rules. You know, don't be a dick in general. Don't go for two when you, you know, sc- score touchdowns unless it's Madden and you need the development points, right? <laughs> like, um, that kind of thing, sure. But the, the one that bothers me is the one in soccer where you're not supposed to celebrate or like this faux pas oh, yeah. against celebrating against your old former team. Yeah. Yeah. You see guys like score and they just sort of like hold their hands up like, Whoops! I'm sorry. Like, I, I, get I, out of here! Like, it's so not, like Messi is gonna leave Barcelona, go somewhere else, inevitably he's gonna face Barcelona again. And the entire week, all people are gonna talk about is, will he celebrate will if he, he scores? What? What? It's a freaking goal! If he does, absolutely, he should fist pump and he should do the knee slide and he should do whatever he else he well, does. Like, I mean, he, does, he doesn't have to like, you know, whip out his junk and be an, a, a a dick about it, but like he can he can. Celebrate? There's See, what's wrong with celebrating? And that's and that's my whole thing. You should celebrate. Maybe tone down your celebration. Like if normally you would do like a knee slide, rip off your shirt, bang your chest and all that kind of stuff. Maybe tone it down a little bit there. But you should absolutely celebrate. Like there's no question yeah. you should celebrate. It's but, insulting if you don't. But it's like weird because it's like only a soccer thing. You don't right. see that in any other sport. No. Like most other sports you like are particularly pumped up about playing your old team, right? Like right. when when Aaron Rodgers inevitably leaves the Packers and and lands with the Bears or something like that. Like, do you think like how crazy would it be if Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown pass and then stands there and goes like whoop, hands up like oops, I'm sorry, like bashful? All- no, no, like he's gonna sit there and like like pull out his junk. 
<laughs> do the discount double check like right. roar like that's what i don't know maybe it's like american thing but like yeah like like sebastian vettel goes and and wins at monza next year like with 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 Jaguar, he, I mean, uh, with Aston Martin, and he's supposed to be like, oh, sorry, Ferrari. Like, no. <laughs> no, gonna he's going to get out of that and, like, you know, be one up to Ferrari and just, like, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're not supposed to talk about We're that. not supposed to have one, no. All right. Well, that, that'll end this thing. Thanks for listening, as always. I'm actually looking forward to the uh, sounds of the race thing where they get on the on the microphone with Vettel. And his first words after he crosses the the finish line are, suck it, Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fantastic. Uh, I love the editing this past week race when uh, Kimi uh, passes the Ferrari and someone edited in him laughing. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Anyways, uh, that's the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening as always. Uh, join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Go listen to our new edition of Only Skinnect, the nerdiest and most challenging USC trivia game you will ever play. It is fun. We had a good time. We hope you guys have a good time listening to us while patreon.com slash Troy is where you can do that. Um, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is celebrate, as in find every reason you can to celebrate, especially if it's scoring a goal against your old team. Uh, there's no football, though. Celebrate. Good time. Come on. <laughs> All right, see At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.